Good morning, podcast listeners. Happy New Year. Here we are in 2020. Who would ever guess? I, honestly, I didn't think I would live this long. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I don't know. As a young man, I just never dreamt that 2020 would actually be here. And here it is. It's kind of a sobering thought. I realize how old I am this year, but that's okay. God is good and he's using this church. He's using me to minister to this place and hopefully to minister to you too. I'm very excited about today's message. I think it's going to be a great way to start off the new year. We're going to be talking about something we don't talk a lot about, and that's heaven. We're going to talk about the realities of heaven, and we got to get that so so seated in our hearts that heaven is real, that there's a reason why we live the way we do and we do the things that we do. Uh, makes it easy when you have the reality of heaven. I hope you enjoy this. God bless and Happy New Year. Well, here we are. A brand new year. It's pretty amazing to me. I had some time this last week to reflect on 2019. And, and I got to say, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Hey, Nick. Proud of you too, buddy. A lot has transpired here in this church, in me, I hope in you. But the rest of our country, man, it's gotten crazy out there, hasn't it? I mean, depending on whether you like our president or not, it's absolutely crazy. It always amazes me that even when we had a president that I did not like, and I did not appreciate his, his attitude or his beliefs, he was still my president. You know, he was the most powerful man in the world, leading our country, and he deserved my respect and my prayers. And yet our country has just gone crazy, not standing behind the man that God has placed in charge. But thank God, I'm not running the nation. Amen. <laughs> This is just a mixed-up world we live in. And so with all that in mind, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what's on your mind for this new year? This is a new year, and it's not just a new year, but it's a new decade. It's a time. Think about this. It's a time that has never been lived before. It's never been lived before. And there's a story. And the story is your life. And you get to write it. Think about it. How amazing that is. There's never been a time like this before. So let me ask you, what is your story going to be for this year? What is going to be told about you, about this time of your life? I know that's kind of deep thinking, even for me. But it's what's been on my mind. How will my life affect my story? both positively and negatively. 
And as I was contemplating all this deep thinking, saying, Lord, what would you have me to bring to the church in this new year, this new decade? And I got a call, a call that I didn't expect. It was a call that I used to get all the time when I was the jail chaplain at Tuolumne County Jail. And so we used to get those calls all the time, you know, they were searching for the chaplain to do a death notification. Typically it was for an inmate whose family member on the outside had passed away and they wouldn't tell the inmate until there was a chaplain present. And uh, even after I left my position in 2013 because I went to work for probation, probation allowed me to still go in and do death notifications because some of the other chaplains just didn't like doing that. And I got to say, I didn't either. It's not something any of us ever like to do. So when I got this call, it was from the commander, the jail commander, Lieutenant Tammy McKaig. And I immediately recognized her voice, and I was kind of surprised. I, I hadn't received a call, and she said, I've been trying to reach you. Have you heard about anything that's transpiring at the jail? And I said, no. No, I haven't heard anything at all. And she said, well, a person you know passed away. And I said, no, who's that? And uh, she said, Shelly Abbott. I don't know if anybody here is familiar with Shelly, but she was a booking clerk. And she worked in the jail, been there for a lot of years. And she's one of the most sweetest people that even Jim, when I told him about her this morning, he said that she was the one you always hoped when we would go in there as chaplains or a Bible study person or whatever, you would hope she would be there because she was always kind enough to get you whoever you wanted and do whatever you needed and really appreciated us going in there. And she had suddenly passed away and totally unexpectedly because I believe she was only in her 40s. I, I don't know for sure. I'm going to meet with her husband this afternoon, actually. But the part that really surprised me is the lieutenant told me, she goes, listen, in law enforcement, we all have to, every two years, update our profile and put down, you know, current phone numbers, contacts, husband's name, kids' names, all those kind of things. And there's also a place for who would you have as a clergyman should you pass away? And she put your name there. And I thought, oh, well, okay. I remember Shelly, you know, I, I was there for six or so years and, uh, you know, she probably did that back in 2013. She said, no, she updated this year. And she put your name down, and so that's why we're contacting you. Are you willing to work with the family and, and help them through this time? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would be more than happy to work with anybody there at the Sheriff's Department. They know um, that I've always been there for them. And and it really struck me. So I, I started thinking about my times in the jail and the conversations. You know, it's funny. We have relationships with, with people every day. All of you do. People you know, people you see at the store, people you work with. Um, but I had no idea that my life had impacted Shelley at all. I never ministered to her. I never led her in the sinner's prayer. I would remember that. I don't even know 
if she was a Christian. Now, I have to know that there was a spiritual connection. She put my name down. And it started, you know, I started thinking about this. Lord, am I missing relationships? Should I have ministered to Shelly? I can remember one night. My wife passed away in 2012, and I wasn't working for probation yet. I was working for him part-time, but I wasn't full-time. And I went down to the jail and talked to some of my friends down there, and as Shelly was working, she said, anytime you want, you come down here day or night, you sit in the control room with me, and we'll watch the craziness together. Because you get all the cameras, you know, you get to see all kinds of things. She says, if you can't sleep, you just, you just come here. So I took her up on that one night. I went down there about 10 o'clock at night. That's late for me. Okay, it wasn't late for them, but it was late for me. Couldn't sleep. Confused. And Shelly was sitting in the control room, and I pulled up a chair by her. We're watching the camera. She goes, you want to see anybody? And I said, not really. I'm not in any really condition to counsel anybody. I, I just couldn't sleep. And so she asked me, she goes, why do you come in here? I thought that was kind of a pretty interesting question. And I said, well, you know why I come in here. I minister to the men and women that that ask to see the chaplain. And you know why. And she goes, no, this is what I don't get. You know that I watch you. I said, yes, actually I do. I know exactly where the camera is. And I place my chair where you have bird's eye view because you don't know. You could get some guy that's crazy, you know, and try to take you out. So I sit where the camera, where, where she, yeah, I know you watch me. And she goes, I watch you counsel these guys, and I watch you pray with them, and, and you, sh- you even hug some of them. And I said, yeah, I know, we're not supposed to hug a thug, but I do. And, and, uh, and, and she goes, then you leave, they get out, they go break the law, and they come right back, and you go right back and see them again. I just want to know why. And I said, it was an interesting question. I said, Shelly, the only answer I can give you is I have no expectation. And she looked at me kind of sideways. I said, what do you mean? I said, no expectation on what they do. I'm just a farmer, man. And I'm plowing what God calls fertile soil, okay? And once in a while, I'm lucky enough to cast some seed into that soil, and I pray that somewhere down the line that seed will grow. That's my job. Because if I put expectation on them, guess what? I get angry. We do, don't we, Jim? Sometimes we do, don't we, Rod? Sometimes we see we see the people. No, we try not to. I don't even want to know what they've done. I don't, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Just let me love on them. Well, they're back again. I don't care. That's your call, not mine. No expectations, brother, sister. None. Because if I put expectations on them, I start getting my hurt feelings because they're not doing what I've already told them to do to straighten their life out. They're not listening. Well, heck with them. Why should I waste my time? And I remember Shelley saying, man, I never thought about it like that. She goes, that could help me. And I said, yeah, it could. Because you see the people come and you see them go. You see them come and you go. And you start putting no expectation on them. Just see them as God's people. As we all are.
And I so wished that at that conversation, I would have said, Shelly, where do you stand with God? But I didn't. It was kind of a normal conversation. You know what I mean? I didn't push or prod. But it meant enough to her that she wrote my name down as her clergyman. And so now we were going to hold the, the memorial here. I was very proud of that because I love showing off our church. But it's grown. All the sheriff's department, probably most of probation, and a lot of family. So we're going to a, a church in Sonora, and it's closer for them center-wise for people traveling. It's going to be next Saturday, so I want you praying for me um, that the Lord will give me the heart, because I have the heart. Getting the right words out sometimes is the difficult part, because I already know what I feel, and I know what I know. But all this being transpired, it, it got me to thinking about my relationships and, and about what I preach and how I preach. And Do you remember two weeks ago I preached a message on what's so amazing about Christmas? Do you guys remember that? You better. If not, it's on the podcast. You can pull it up and re-listen. I believe that God approved that message because I made it really clear that God himself, God himself gave himself for his creation. He just didn't send somebody. You know, it wasn't like his 15th son that he didn't really like so much. He's himself. You got to think and remember, we've been taught on the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one. God himself gave himself for you and for me. That's the only way he could save us, is he had to give himself. And he knew what the cost was going to be. He knew what was going to happen. He knew. It wasn't like, well, maybe I'll go see if I can save the world. No, he's going to save the world. And he did it not for just us, but for the entire world. All the sins ever committed and all the sins to be committed. He did it for that. All of us. So that's what I said was so amazing about Christmas is what God has done. I know some of us have became Christians because we were sick and tired of being sick and tired and we need a change in our lives and I get that. I understand that because that was me. <laughs> you know, people are sick and tired of being in their situation. They're, they're tired of the drug scene. They're tired of the alcohol scene. They're tired of all the running around, all the things that I was running from God from. I was so tired when God sent my friend into my life to minister to me, to bring me back. But what about those? What about those people potentially like Shelley? She had a good job. A good life. If she drank too much, it certainly didn't affect her work. If she had any issues going on, nobody knew. How do you minister to her? 
You know, there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, you know, you, you want me to come become a Christian just so the church needs my money. You know, that, a lot of people think that. And, and it becomes very difficult to, to minister to people who have a good life. They've got a good job. They're not on drugs. They're, they're doing their thing. They're raising their kids. They're, they're living the life, living the dream. they got things going on. How do we reach them? There's only one way. And it's called heaven. The reality of it. The reality of heaven. That you can take to anybody that you're ministering to. Do you realize that there is life after death? Which way are you going to choose? Well, what are you talking about? Are you talking about going to church? No, no, I'm talking about heaven or hell. That's the question. How many times have you heard me preach on heaven? Have I preached on heaven quite a bit? I hope I have, because I don't think I have. Guess what's coming next week? I ain't telling you, because then you guys won't come. It's a reality. And we have to understand it. There's a whole millennial movement that believes, and, and after reading their movement, I, I began to think about what they say, and they're saying, it's wrong to minister to anybody of any other faith to try to convince them that Jesus Christ is truly the only way. So they've decided we're not ministering to anybody. They decided they would live it. Hmm. Interesting concept, huh? If they're really living it, their life will show it. Because when I first read the article, I kind of got upset at it, going, what are you talking about? I got millennials sitting right over here, man, and they, they, they love God, and they want to share God. What do you mean we're just not going to share it anymore? Well, well, I've got a sign hanging down in my office. If you guys haven't seen my office, you're welcome. Come in anytime you want. Come hang out. There's a little sign there that says, Go forth and preach the gospel. And if you must, use words. That's a reality. Do people know by how you live of what you believe? They should. They should. And I got to thinking this whole thing with, with Shelly and the sheriff's department. And in fact, I found out that there's quite a few sheriff's deputies that have put my name in the same place. I'm going to ask for a copy of each one that has put my name down because I want to talk to them. If they're using my name, I should have a right to say, what do you believe, brother? Because if you're not a believer, I'm not going to sit here and tell your family you went to heaven. I want to know. I want to know. I'm happy to take care of you in, in your time of need. That's what God has placed me here to do, but I want to know. And I think it's important that, that we start seeing our relationships that we have every day and start realizing we, we've got to share the gospel more. We have to talk about the realities of heaven. Heaven is real, and heaven is amazing. It's an amazing place. So, let's get on to the scripture. What would draw a person to God if everything is really okay in your life? And 
and you want them to be a Christian because you care and you, you want them to go to heaven. You want them to see and experience the reality of life after death. Well, the question is really heaven or hell. Is heaven real? And what about hell? The only thing we really know for sure is, is the death rate is 100%. That doesn't shock anybody, does it? We're all going to die unless Jesus returns in our lifetime in a cloud to take his church. And that's going to happen. And I pray it would be in my lifetime, but I don't think so. I think this world has a ways to go yet. The death rate is 100% is 100%. Listen to these statistics. Nearly two people die every second. The actual count is 1.8. Don't know how they do that, but that's what it was. 108 people die every minute. This is throughout the world. 6,480 people die every hour. 155,520 people die every day in the world. On the other side of that coin, the world's birth rate is still about double of its deaths. But here's another interesting fact. And this fact was posted in 2006. More babies were born to Christian mothers than to mothers of any other religion in recent years, reflecting Christianity's continued status in the world's largest and I don't like the term religious, but that's what they use, religious group. Hmm. But this is unlikely to be the case for much longer. In less than 20 years, remember this was wrote in 2006, in less than 20 years, the number of babies born to Muslims exceed, mostly exceed the births of Christians, according to the new Pew Research Center. Muslims are projected to be the world's fastest growing major religious group in the decades ahead, and signs of the rapid growth are already visible. Those are just facts. And they're not, I didn't put them in there to scare you, but we have to realize the only way to heaven, the only true way to God is through Jesus Christ, and that's Christianity. We all have a fascination with heaven. We all want to know what will it be like because we all have a sense that there is something more and something bigger than this world. But everything changes. Everything changes in our thinking when we comprehend the basic and amazing truth that heaven is real. And that's why this message is entitled, What's So Amazing About Heaven? Our first scripture I want you to look at is John 14, 1 through 4. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, then believe in me also. It's, if you believe in God, that he is God. Believe in him also. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be there where I am. Amen. You know the way 
to the place where I am going. Oh, but you got to love Thomas. Doesn't everybody love a doubting Thomas? I just love Thomas because he was real. Listen to what he said in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And I'm sure Jesus said, Oh, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Come here, buddy. Let me hug you a little bit, and let me tell you this. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Because Jesus is God. He is God. He's our God. There's a lot here that Jesus said. I could spend the whole message right here. But get this. He said, you must believe. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We can't just think he must be God. We must know that he is God. We must know it. But here's a catch. What you know you're responsible for. You're responsible for the, your actions. You're responsible for your choices. He still loves you. I know for a fact he chased me around from bar to bar. He was always there. I'm not bragging about that, but he was always there. We are limited in what we know about heaven, and I believe the Bible tells us we need to know what we need to know. And we're going to look at some of that today. But I believe there is so much more that we don't know. And we won't know until we get there. Even when the Apostle Paul, he went up to the third heaven, there were things that he was not allowed to talk about. It was against the law for him to talk about. Listen to this scripture, 2 Corinthians 12. 2 and 4. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Let, let me clarify that. I know a man in Christ. Do you know who he was talking about, right? He was talking about himself. This is the heart that the Apostle Paul had. He wasn't going to say, I'm the guy that went up to heaven. You better believe in me and put himself on some kind of pedestal because he didn't want to be on a pedestal. He wanted you to look towards him. So he said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. He, he didn't know whether his body was taken into heaven. I believe that it was or whether this was a spiritual thing that he was in. I don't, he said he didn't know. God knows. I believe our bodies do go to heaven. We'll receive a new body. And guess what? I'll recognize you. I'll recognize you, Nick. I'll see you there. And I, oh, there he is. I'll recognize you. I'll recognize you, Sean. We'll recognize each other. We're going to be in bodies. We're not just going to be this mist of thing floating around, riding on clouds, eating grapes. It's not going to be that way at all. It's going to be like this world, only better. Beyond our comprehension, better. It's going to be an amazing thing. It's going to be an amazing thing. Look at verse 3. 
Again, he says, I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, he, he was really, he's really messed up on that one. I do not know, but God knows. He was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, and he saw things that he could not tell us, and he was not permitted to tell. There are things that we'll never know, nor should we know until we get there. But what we need to know is that heaven's real. And we need to have that such rooted and seated in our hearts that we won't miss it. 2 Corinthians 12.5, it continued, he said, this is the Apostle Paul still speaking, he says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except in my weaknesses. Do you see how powerful that is? I'll tell you about a man that was taken up to the third heaven. If I'm going to talk about myself, I can only tell you that it's God. It's God who has brought me through because I'm just nothing more than a, a mere human being that is weak. Well, what can we learn about heaven from the scriptures? 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 8. For what I received, I passed on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most who are still living, which he was talking about that day when this was wrote. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And the least of all, he appeared to me, the Apostle Paul. As one abnormally born, is what he said. What Paul was meaning is, I, I was born at the wrong time. <laughs> I'd have, normally born, I'd have been born to see Christ and be with him. But this is how Paul felt. It is so important that we understand. Many people find it easier to believe in heaven because they heard about someone's alleged vision. Yet they doubt that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and lives in heaven today. God's word is our true guide, for it alone points us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we have to believe that. Look at John 3, 12 and 13. It says, Jesus said to Nicodemus, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. If you're not willing to believe me, Nicodemus, about what I'm telling you, the truth, how are you going to believe me when I tell you that there is afterlife, that there is a heaven? How are you going to believe? Unless you believe in me. You believe who I am. And I'm hoping this is contemplated in your mind. You're going, do I really believe? Do I really accept that there is a heaven? 
and that he is building a place for us? Well, what does heaven look like? Scriptures does not promise a glimpse into heaven. It does tell us of an account of Stephen, the first person to be martyred for the faith in Christ, who declared as he was being stoned, he, he said in Acts 7, he said, I see heaven open and a son of man standing at the right hand of God. He got a picture. He got to see into heaven, glimpsing into heaven. What a grand vision that would be for those who are uncertain about their destination. I wish that God would give us each a vision, a glimpse into heaven. I think it would change everything. I've been praying to see it ever since I became a Christian, ever since I, you know, I was ministering to a guy at work yesterday. And I can tell, I'm getting way off track here now, I can tell that this guy is being drawn by the Holy Spirit, by the questions he was asking. And we're driving around in a work release truck. And I told him, I said, son, don't waste 30 years like I did. And he was shocked. He said, you? Because they see me, they know that I'm a pastor. They, they know. Am I the same guy at work as I am here? Thank you. I try to be. And sometimes I'm an idiot and I say stupid things because I'm an idiot. Then I'll have to apologize. I didn't mean to say that. And I said, yeah, I ran from God for 30 years. And he said, why would you run from God? And I said, oh, man, I'm, I can't believe you're asking me, but I'll tell you why. Because I knew, I knew that there was a calling on my life. I knew from a child that I was called to be a pastor. Imagine where my life would be hadn't I wasted 30 years of it running around like an idiot. But I did. And I knew that if I ever came back to my first love, that I'd have to give all. Because you see, the kid's name is Daniel. I said, Daniel, I, I can't be that guy. I can't be that guy that's half in or half out. It's either I'm in or I ain't. I'm one or the other. And God respects that. Because what did he say back in Revelation? He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth for being lukewarm. And I'm not going to be that lukewarm Christian. I'm either all in or I'm all out, one or the other. And I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that if I came back to God, I'd have to be all in. So I fought it. I fought good. I fought hard. Until I started losing marriages and losing families and losing friends and losing everything around. And finally, a brother in Christ found me and he just became my friend and he stayed with me until I finally after three and a half years later I said all I want is what you got man and he opened the door for me to accept Christ again and I knew that I have to go in all the way I can't be that guy and I hope you can't either. I hope you can't be that guy that's half in, half out. Whether, I don't know, you know, I'll do this a little bit over here and I'll do a little bit of this over there and I'll go to church on Sunday. Don't be that guy. 
be either all in or all out because heaven's real. And that's what's on the line is eternity, is heaven. And man, I got a load of scriptures to go here. I don't even know what's the last one I was on. Acts 7. Let's go to Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and, and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you ask someone about heaven, can you say with assurance that heaven is real? I mean, you have to know this. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says, we know that if, we know that if the earthly body, the earthly tent, the body that we're in, we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Man, what a promise. What a destiny. God has this for us. This is just a tent. We just reside here while we're here on this earth. God created heaven. Look at Isaiah 48, 13. He says, My own hand laid the foundations of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I summoned them, they all stand up together. Wow. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. However it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. What no human mind has convinced the things God has prepared for those who love him. Is that you? Do you love him? Let's look at Deuteronomy 26, 15. He said, look down from heaven. This is Moses. Your holy dwelling place and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us. You have promised on an oath to our ancestors of a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses knew there was a heaven. King Solomon did too. Look at 1 Kings 8.30. It says, Hear the supplication of your servant and your people Israel. When they pray towards this place, hear from heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive us, God. Forgive us, God. Peter accepted the reality of heaven. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It says, Praise be to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In, his, in this, his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and unto, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you for you do we really believe that because if you really believe that it changes some things it changes what we talk about it changes what we do the reality of heaven man you cannot let your kids go to hell you got to tell them this is true this is real prayers are directed towards heaven. Look at Matthew 6, 9. And this is how we should pray. This is Jesus, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You guys know it. Thy will be done on earth. Where? As it is in heaven. We're walking in our eternity today. 
Start walking and believing like you're in heaven already. You're there. It's real. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. And forgive us, I don't know, you guys know it. Forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation and all that. My brain just went south there for a second. Didn't know I was going to quote it. But it's real. And we, we have to have that reality in our hearts, in our minds. Jesus shows us a picture. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For Him, in all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for him. Man, do we have that confidence? We have to have that confidence. Look at 2 Peter 3.13. He says, But in keeping with this, his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. You know, here's something that's a little interesting. You remember when I said, do you guys understand when Paul was taken up to the third heaven? Do you understand what that is? No? You know, you know it's, it's really quite simple. There's, there's a guy who wrote this commentary. His name is Don Stewart. He said, when the term of heaven is used symbolically in Scripture, it usually refers to one of three realms. Our immediate atmosphere. This is the room that we're in. The air. Everybody take a deep breath. This is heaven, man. This is heaven. This is the reality. This is the first heaven, is the atmosphere. What we see, the sky, the, the, the stars, or not the stars, but the clouds and those things. The second heaven is the outer space. This is where the sun and the moon and the stars and all the planets reside. And the third heaven is the home of God. This is what the Apostle Paul was taken to see, was the home of God. It's not so mysterious. Look at Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Man, we got to hold fast to what we believe. Amen? Amen? We have to have this reality of heaven. But let me give you a little bit of heads up for next week, because if you don't want to hear about hell, you might not should come, but I pray that you all do. Next week, Jesus talks more about hell than he talks about heaven. It's true. Some 32 times he preached on hell. His ministry only lasts three and a half years added up. He was preaching on hell about once a month. Why? It mattered. He wants us to know. And here's the beauty. God doesn't send people. You ever had people ask you the question, how could a loving God ever send anyone to hell? I get that all the time. He doesn't. He doesn't. God, he didn't create hell for you. He created hell for Satan and the angels. And it's been expanded. 
for all those who choose that direction. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Not anybody. It's your choice. It's how you choose. In this life, I choose Him. It's not about how many times you come to church. You don't have to be here 52 times a year to be a good Christian, okay? We all have lives, we have things, we have vacations, we go places, we do things. It's what's in our heart. It's coming and getting some good, practical, solid information that heaven is real. So what's so amazing about heaven is it's real. And we have to know that it's real.